Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Anticipating wonderful things in our future, the most important thing is about to happen right now. <clears throat> and that is the preaching of the word of the Lord. I'm thankful for his word. It's important for me to say this because I think it's important for both brother and sister Barrett to know this. While it has been the catalyst of your parents that introduced us, it is not solely because of your parents that you're here today. You're here today on your own merit the calling of God upon your own lives. And uh, we appreciate both of the families of Brother and Sister Barrett. And, uh, but I'm thankful for what God is doing in their life. I appreciate their spirit. And um, I'm thankful that people are still answering the call and saying, here I am, Lord, and if you can use anything, you can use me. And so I wonder if you would make them welcome to this pulpit today. Amen. Would you do that? Hallelujah. Would you lift up a shout of praise unto God right now? I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You're worthy today, God. Oh, hallelujah. We exalt your name, Jesus. Glory to God. You can be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. I can't tell you how wonderful it is to be here at Hatchman Apostolic Church. Thank you so much for welcoming us here today. Uh, we feel at home. We feel uh, like God's presence is in this place. What a wonderful worship service. Your guys' praise team did an incredible job. You should give them a hand for how wonderful they did. Amen. A lot of time and effort and practice went into uh, such incredible and spirit-filled worship service. We could hear it in the, in the prayer room this morning before church even started that there was an expectancy. People were praying and just working for God to do something in this service today. There's something about the right now, what is happening in this service. Amen. I praise God for that. So thankful. Amen. We want to give thanks to um, the Boyds for inviting us to be here and for their ministry team here at Hatchman Apostolic Church. You guys have some great ministers and great folks here to, that make this church an incredible church, a packed house this morning. Amen. And God is just moving in this community, in this place. And then we're going to jump into the word of the Lord, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. Thank you, Jesus. I want to set the stage as we, as we jump into Hebrews and just say how, how God's timing, how his, his perfect timing is impeccable. That God knows exactly what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, and when he will do it. His timing is perfect. Jesus lived on this earth for about 33 years. And only three of those years have been recorded as part of his ministry. So he had a very short time to work. Amen. He had to make use of that time. And every step, everything that he did had to be perfectly orchestrated in the perfect time. 
such a short amount of time to fulfill humanity's most important work, right? We need to be saved from our sins. We needed salvation in our lives. And he had such a short period of time to save humanity. And he had to do it in the most incredible way. Without Christ, there is absolutely no forgiveness of sins, right? We have no remission of our sins. We have no salvation. We have no hope without Jesus Christ. He's the reason why why we are here today. He's the reason why we have joy, why we have peace, why we have anything in our lives is because of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He is the reason why we sing. We sang that this morning, and I believe that, that we have that hope in Jesus. Without Christ, humanity would be doomed to be lived, uh, bound by a life of sin. We would be doomed. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says this, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no remission. And uh, verse 27, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and to to them that looked for him shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. John calls Jesus the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. From the very forming, from the very creation of this world, that lamb was slain from that foundation. It says that in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. With the salvation of mankind at stake, every single one of Jesus' moves had to be carefully planned and executed. The Bible records his ministry. The Bible records what he was doing on this earth. His life and his ministry had purpose. We want our lives to have purpose, right? That's, that's a soul Longing for us is that our lives would leave a legacy, that our lives would mean something and our lives would do something. And Jesus, his life, his ministry left a legacy. His ministry had purpose for us today. He was dedicated to his mission. And that should tell us something today, that we should be dedicated to the mission of Christ in our lives. Hallelujah. We see that even in Jesus' birth, the event was beautifully orchestrated. Even in his very coming to this earth, every piece was in place. He began his life in a humble manger. But in his early days were very dangerous for a newborn baby. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, we can see this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on the wise. When his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example was minded to put her away privately. But when he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived of her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. It's very important that Joseph did as the angel had told him to do. Verse 25, knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son and called his name Jesus. Joseph and Mary risked their very reputations, 
their lives, everything that was important to them and everything that mattered, they risked that to be obedient to the word of God. When the angel came to them and told them, this was a scary situation that they were involved in, right? Uh, a couple that had not yet been married and they had a child on the way. What must it have looked like to the people around them? What must it have looked like to the community, to their leaders, to their parents, to everyone involved? And a very dangerous situation to be involved in at that time. But they took on that burden, right? When Joseph heard the angel, he was obedient. And he, they knew that they had something special in this baby, Jesus Christ. And they called his name Jesus, because they knew he was going to save the people from their sins. That would not be the end of Jesus and his family's hardships, right? That was just the beginning of that, uh, that journey that they were on. This would not be the end. Herod would stop at nothing to end Jesus' life prematurely. That was his goal, was to stop this from happening. You think of just in his very early life, the things that could have happened that would have stopped the salvation of mankind, and the devil was not happy about this happening, right? He's going to do everything he can to make sure that that did not take place. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 13 shows us this. And when they departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek to destroy, uh, seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. So God even used that to fulfill prophecy that he had to be called out of that. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked, was of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all of the children that were in Bethlehem and at all the coasts thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently acquired of the wise men. God's planning and God's timing had to be exactly perfect in this situation. Right, We see the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph right before Herod is sending his men to destroy Jesus. Right before the time when the plan could have been messed up. It was absolutely perfect. And God has a critical plan that he wants to see out through all time. Right, I think that God has a critical plan in our lives today. That he has an expectation and he has a purpose and a calling upon our lives. Potentially Herod could have killed Jesus in his infancy, but... God would not allow that to happen, right? In our lives, there are things that could snuff out our future. There are things that could snuff out the purpose that God has in our lives. And God is willing to stand in and say, this is not going to happen. He will stand in for us. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He will use his spirit. He will use his power to help us through those situations. Hallelujah. We see that he did it in Jesus' life and he will do it in our lives as well. Jesus had much work to do in his ministry, and there's such a short period of time that's recorded in the Bible that he did it. And really, there's not much information about Jesus in the Bible in his life until later on when his ministry actually began. Brother Boyd actually talked a little bit about how when he was younger, you know, there's not not much that he did and not much uh, spiritual things that happened that's recorded in the Bible. But later on, we see his ministry flourish. There's some questions that, you know, we might have it in our minds about the way that Jesus operated because he did things differently. 
You could say that certainly, that he was not the same as everyone else. He did not teach the same way as everyone else. He did not live the same way as everyone else. He was that spotless lamb. He was that sinless sacrifice for our sins. And he did some, some things that were quite different. You might ask, why, why did Jesus wait so long for, for his ministry to begin? Why was, that, why was that time taking place? And why was his ministry focused on just a certain portion of the world? Because he did not go in all of the world and preach his gospel, right? That's something he commissioned his disciples to do. But his ministry was very focused on one specific area. You might ask, why did he choose just 12 disciples to follow him? Why, why, why are all these conventions and, and things, why did he do these? And why did he act differently than most people expected? You know, when, when Jesus came, they might have expected some extravagant king, right? At that time, they were expecting something more than what a lowly baby in a manger. They expected a king to come riding in on a horse, right? To come in and just to save Israel from, from captivity, to save them from the situation that they were in. And that's not exactly the way that he came. Jesus and his teachings were a little bit unconventional. He taught that you must give to receive. He taught that the last will be first and the first will be last. He also taught that you must lose your life to gain it. How incredible is that? That's so different from the way that we think today. Our natural mind and the natural way that we think, none of this makes sense to us. The last will be first, the first will be last. Why on earth would he teach like that? And in our natural self, it doesn't make sense. Our flesh desires to receive without giving. Our flesh desires to win at all costs. And to hold on to this life that we have on earth. But that's not what Jesus taught. He taught that there is life everlasting beyond this. Hallelujah. His actions were even stranger than his instructions. You think about this. He rubbed spit and mud into a blind man's eye in order to heal them. He was sleeping in the middle of an incredibly dangerous storm. His disciples come to him and ask him, why are you sleeping? You know, they're about to die. He turned over tables and drove out merchants at the temple. His, his actions were unconventional. He did things that you would not expect from him. Although his behavior and teachings were abnormal, one thing is certain, and that's that Jesus lived a sinless life. That's one thing that we know is he lived a life that was without blame, that was without spot, without wrinkle. He lived a perfect life. Life. His message was consistent. He never changed his message, right? He was saying the kingdom is coming, and he was establishing that kingdom. I'm sure uh, he was thinking about the work that he had to do all this time while he was growing, while he was preparing for his ministry, even while he was ministering unto others. He was thinking about the eventual the eventual task that he had to take on, which was dying on a bloody cross. Jesus knew that that time was coming. I'm sure he thought about the cross every single place that he went to. I'm sure with every hand that he shook, with every person that he spoke to, with every blind eye that was healed, with every lame person that was made whole again, that he was thinking about the task that he had to take on. Hallelujah. He does that for us today, that when he sees us in our condition, 
when he sees us in the place that we are in, he is thinking about the cross that he bore our sin on, the cross that he died on, the cross that he took on for us. With every person that he ministered to and to every place that he went, he was thinking about the cross. In the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks to his disciples and he explained to them why he had to go. Because I'm sure the disciples were expecting their leader, their teacher, their rabbi, their, everything that they had put their hope into, they had given everything up to follow Jesus. And so they're expecting their leader to continue leading them, to help them out with ministry and to continue teaching them. And he had to explain to them why he had to go. John chapter 14, verse 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. When he has come, he will remove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. These are the things he was telling his disciples that he had to go. He said, I go away for if I go not away, the comfort will not come to you. He knew that our only redemption, the only way that we could be saved, the only way that we could be raised to life by his spirit is he had to leave. He had to go. He knew that our redemption would require his sacrifice. He also knew that his departure would bring the Holy Ghost to us on the day of Pentecost. He knew that once he left, once he had died, once he had been buried in a grave, once he had rose again on a third day, and then once he had ascended into heaven, he knew that the Spirit would come and fall upon this place. He knew that the earth would be filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And he knew that he had to go in order for that to happen. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Hallelujah. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and they were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. They were all amazed and marveled, saying unto one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. I love how the Bible just clearly spells out what happened on the day of Pentecost. This was a day that they were looking forward to. This is a day that they were excited about because they knew that the promise was coming. They knew that the comforter was coming. They knew that his spirit was coming and it was going to fill them. Hallelujah. And the way that it happened was magnificent. We see that people were filled with the Holy Ghost and the evidence of that is that they were speaking in other tongues. And they knew this because they heard them speaking in languages that they knew, but they others should not have known, right? Right said, we heard them speaking in our tongue. 
They're speaking our language, and they don't even know our language. They were amazed and marveled, speaking into another. Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans, how we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. God poured out his spirit at the most critical time on the day of Pentecost. It's important that his spirit was poured out on that day. Right, we, celeb- we celebrate the day of Pentecost. That's something that we look forward to, and that's something that we are excited about. But it's, when you look at the grand scope of what Jesus was accomplishing, it's so important that it happened on the day of Pentecost. Pentecost is the Greek name for the Feast of Weeks. This is a celebration that would have brought thousands of Jews from the Mediter- Mediterranean area to Jerusalem. Right? It's bringing all these people from all portions of this place and bringing them to Jerusalem. This was a perfect time and a perfect place for a radical Holy Ghost movement. It's so amazing that it happened in Jerusalem, that it happened on the day of Pentecost. This revival would be brought back to the homes of these Jewish folks, right? They were from all over the Mediterranean area. They did not live in Jerusalem, but they had gathered there at that place for that time and for that purpose. And God had brought them there so they could be filled with his spirit and then take that spirit back to where they lived, right? So they could teach, so they could preach, so they could bring others to the Holy Ghost. Peter addressed those in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, and he had to preach a message that would impact them. He had to preach a message that would show them what they needed to do after this took place. Because this is, this is unprecedented. This is something that has never happened before, right? His spirit has moved upon people before in the Old Testament, and his spirit has acted on people, but the spirit has never been filled until this point in the Bible. And they were filled with his spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 36, when Peter preached to them, He had to tell them what their next steps would be. He had to tell them how they would live, how they would walk, how they would react to other people now that they're filled with the Spirit. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And this affected them. Because we see in verse 37, When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, What shall we do? They're looking at the life of Jesus. They're looking at the price that he paid. And they know that they did that to him. They know that the crown of thorns, they placed it upon his head. When he was beaten, they were the ones that caused him to be beaten. And they were hurt in their hearts and they understood that we have to do something different. Our lives have to change from this point on. Is anybody glad that the Holy Ghost changes you from the inside? Hallelujah. It comes into our hearts and it changes our very being. It changes who we are. We don't go to the same places we used to go. We don't hang out with the same people we used to hang out with. We don't do the same things that we used to do because we are now filled with his spirit and we have to do his will. We have to do his work. Hallelujah. 
Peter addressed them. Verse 38, Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was a promise. Verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words they testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. They immediately were baptized. They heard the word of God. They heard Peter preaching unto them. They said, I have to get baptized now. This is not something I can hold off. This is not something I can contain. But I have to go down in the water in Jesus' name right now. (laughs) And that same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. This was a movement that the devil could not stop. As much as he tried, as many obstacles as he put in the place of this perfect plan, he could not be stopped. Hallelujah. That same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I love that the Bible says that those souls were added unto the church. And we see what God has done throughout time, right? We are that church that was started in the book of Acts. This movement, this calling, this purpose, this message did not stop in the book of Acts. Some people may say that. They may say tongues is not for today. They may say baptism is not for today. That's something the apostles did. But we know that is not the truth. We are that church, that apostolic church of the book of Acts. And we are going to continue to preach that word. We are going to continue to baptize people in Jesus' name. We are going to continue to teach people Bible studies because that's what God wants us to do. Hallelujah. And that church has gone from being added of 3,000 souls to a multiplication of the church. Hallelujah. All over this world, there, there are people that are coming to God. I'm so thankful for somebody that's going to get baptized in Jesus' name this morning. Hallelujah. For Bible studies that have been taught. And we have to do that with purpose in our lives. We have to do that with planning. And we have to do that according to God's word. We have to be intentional with the way that we are living. I think this is a church that is intentional with the acts and the things that we are doing. Hallelujah. I want to tell somebody this morning that you have something to offer this world. You may not be confident in your abilities. You may not be confident in the things that you've been able to do so far and your reputation and the legacy that you're leaving. But I want to encourage you this morning that you have something to offer. And that's because you have Jesus. We don't have anything else to offer this world. If we have no other accolades, if we have no other achievements, we have one thing that we can offer them, and that is the name of Jesus. The name that is without compare. <laughs> the name that, can, that is like no other name. We have something to offer this world. We have this apostolic message. We have God's critical plan that he put into place on this earth so that we could have life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. We will not give in to the devil. We will not give in to temptation. We will not give in to this world. We will not allow them to water down this message because we know that this is what God intends for us to do. 
Hallelujah. God added to his church, and today he is multiplying it. God's plan is perfect, and God's timing is perfect. I want to I take a moment to tell you about uh, a young lady from our church uh, who I'm just incredibly proud of. We, we are the youth pastors in, um, in Orlando, Florida, and sometimes you get one person that you, you see what God does in their life, and it completely blows you away. You guys might have somebody in your mind that you're thinking of in your life that how God has impacted them, how God has fulfilled his plan in their life is just incredible. And I, I want to tell you about how Bible studies work. If you've ever questioned that, if you've ever not considered teaching a Bible study to somebody, teaching the word of God works. Because it's simply God speaking to them, right? It's not another person that's trying to teach them something outside of the word of God. We're not trying to tell them our own ideas and our own ideologies, but we are saying this is what the word of God says. Here it is. Look at it. Read it. Now you can do something about it if you want to do something. Bible studies work. This, this young lady, Lauren, uh, she, she went through a difficult time in her life where uh, she, was, she had just gotten out of a bad relationship and she was in a broken place when her cousin invited her out to church. It was just one invite. All he did was say, you know what? I know you're having a bad time. Uh, I know you're not feeling good right now. Just come out to church with me. And so one Sunday she came and the message was hot and the message was powerful and God was moving in the place. And Lauren received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on one of her very first services at church. God filled her with the spirit and it was authentic. It was real. You could see the power of God moving upon her, tears just rolling down her face and speaking in a language that she did not understand. This is the power of God and this is what he will do. And she was filled with his spirit and she wanted to take the time to understand why we believe what we believe. So we went through Bible studies, and she, the first Bible study we ever had, she came to us with a notebook of questions. She said, why do you, why did, why do you guys do this? Why do you teach that? You know, why, why does this happen? And at, at first it was a little intimidating because somebody comes to you with a list of questions, and I may not know all the answers to all those questions, but I will try my best, I told her. And uh, so she spent the time learning and spent the time just focusing on God. And uh, she, she has completely blown me, blown me away in that she's getting involved in church. She has completely changed her lifestyle because she knew that she could not live the way she used to live. And I want to tell you today that prayer works, Bible studies work, teaching the word of God works because that is one life that was changed because this apostolic message that Jesus has for us today. Hallelujah. Is anybody thankful for that this morning? Anybody thankful for what God is doing? Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. We're going to go into a place of prayer. We're going to go into a place where we are going to respond to the word of God. I believe that very strongly that whenever the word of God is spoken, whenever you read the word of God, that there should be a response to that word. So we're going to do that for a moment. Would you just lift your hands with me? Would you thank God for his perfect plan in your life? Would you thank God and call out to him this morning? Lord, we love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We are so thankful, God, for this apostolic message. We are thankful for your word that stands true today, God. Hallelujah. We pray that you would continue to fill us with your spirit, Lord. Let us move in a way that we have never moved before, God. Hallelujah. Speak through us, Lord.
Empower us to do your will, Jesus. Hallelujah. We're willing and able, God. Jesus, Jesus, I want to make... I want to make an opportunity available for you. If you would like to come to this altar, the musicians are going to play and some singers are going to sing. They're going to open up an atmosphere of worship in this place. Everyone is welcome to come. Come up to the front. Hallelujah. If we want to respond to the word of God, if you have somebody on your mind that you're thinking about, you want to preach, you want to preach to them, you want to teach them. Hallelujah. Would you come this morning? I love you, Jesus. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386 935 2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website again thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family